Um, I had a whole different other plan for, for doing something today, but I can just feel God's presence in here. So this is going to end at the altar for sure. And uh, so just prepare your hearts for that. Um, I actually want to get right into the word. Is that okay? I want you to open your Bibles and then, and then you could be with me for the reading of the word. And then afterwards, you know, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it until we call you back up. So open your Bible to Exodus. You could go to Exodus 1.22, but I'm going to start reading in Exodus 6.20, and then I'm going to get to 1.22. But I'm only going to say one verse, and I'm going to lose you, which I might have already done. But just go to Exodus 1.22 if you have. If you don't have a Bible, that's cool. Uh, we got this cool projector and this visible screen, and it's going to show up on there. And we're going to go ahead and read it together. And I believe God's going to do something real special in your life this morning. It's morning. I say tonight all the time, John. My service is at 1030 in the morning, and I'll be like, tonight God is going to, all the time. It just happens. Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, and then it'll go to 122, so you can just listen for the first part, and then, but you stay at 122. You stay at 122, because I'm going to jump right there. See, I already lost you. My bad. Just stay at 122, and we're going to get there. All right? But verse 6, chapter 6, verse 20, it's on the screen. Amram married his father's sister, say Josephet. Say Josephet. That's her name. But that's a long name. And so we're going to call her Joe. Somebody say Joe. <laughs> what up, Joe? Uh, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Now we're going to go to 122. So now you should be able to follow along. Exodus 122. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Just some background on that. The uh, uh, Israelites were living in Egypt, and they were outgrowing the population of the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were getting nervous because they were growing in power, and so in order to kind of stifle the population, they started killing every baby that was born, specifically every baby boy that would be born. So that's kind of where we're entering uh, into this story. It's just a massacre. Just massive uh, people are, are being killed right now. Um, so, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman named Joe. Somebody say Joe. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket, made it out of papyrus, coated it with tar and pitch, and she put the baby in the basket and put the basket in the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. In verse 4, his sister Miriam stood, is Miriam here? Hey, what up, Miriam? You in the Bible, girl. I drank coffee this morning out of a cup that you bought me. Do you remember the cup you bought me, the coffee cup? I was thinking about you. Thank you. It's a good coffee cup. It says Journey on it. That's why. This says what's up. Um, his sister Miriam stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Verse 5, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Somebody say, ah, yes, it's a baby in the river by itself. This is one of those Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Because I know just the one. Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, Joe. Somebody say Joe. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you 
So the woman took the baby and nursed him, and when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, I want to talk about this uh, woman today named Joe, and the reason why I want to talk about this woman is because you've probably never heard of this woman. Maybe if you've grown up in church, you might have heard a story here or there, but she's not somebody who's famous. She's not somebody who's well-known. She's, she's not somebody who you've heard stories of growing up, and that's exactly the reason why I want to talk to you about her today, because you guys are a growing youth ministry that is renting out buildings. don't even know what building you're going to be in, and it's easy when you're a part of a ministry like this, regardless of the fact that God's blessing you like beyond imagination, it's easy in these moments to look at other ministries or to look at other people who, I don't know, own a building, you know, who have church in the same place every week. Um, it's easy to look at other people and say, man, I wish I had what they had. I wish I could be special like they were special. Or even in this room, we have room full of a bunch of people. Some people are preachers. Some people are singers. Some people do parking. Some people do hospitality. Some people do the sound. And it's just easy to see where you are, especially if you're a young adult. Make some noise if you're a young adult. If you're a young adult and you're just about to push 20 and you see somebody else and they're 22 and they like married in a career with like a 401k, like an IRA, like they have like money like in a bank account, like they have a bank account, like their card, it works. Like it swipe it and you can buy things. And you look at your card and you're like, I can't use this card. This is for looks only. And, and it's just easy. It's easy to look at people who seem special and think you're not special. But you are. You know, sometimes the greatest burden in our life is not sin. Sometimes the greatest burden in our life is like normalcy. You know what I mean? Like, I can work on the sin thing, but who can work on the normal thing? Because I don't want to be normal. I want to be unique. I want to be special, and I feel average. And so I'm preaching to a group of people this morning who I know are not average that feel it. And so that's kind of the reason why I decided to title this talk, and I want you to tell three people, the title of my talk, which is Not Your Average Joe. Tell three people. Tell them, Not Your Average Joe. Amen. Thank you, my man. What's your name? John. You're anointed, bro. Anointed. John's anointed. Make it up for John. Amen. Not Your Average Joe. You know, uh, Hurricane Matthew hit Florida a couple months ago. And uh, how many people remember Hurricane Matthew? Some of y'all had like a hurricane party. Like, you should not have parties for natural disasters. I'm just saying some of y'all had like parties and, and I'll be honest, we were kind of all underimpressed a little bit with Hurricane Matthew. I don't know the wickedness inside of us that wished it was terrible. You know, we just wanted to survive it and say that and get the t-shirt. You know, I survived Hurricane Matt. Um, but I'm glad that it wasn't. But it, it, it did kind of do some damage to my house, at least. I had my fence, my backyard fence fell down. So, like, I got to meet my neighbors uh, for the first time. <laughs> True story. I go in my backyard. I'm like, hey, my name's JJ. How's your name? <laughs> fence fell down. So, so I go, oh, well, we got to get on that. And, um, and then there's a bunch of trees around my house. And, uh, and I had a bunch of branches fall down. And, and my yard, my front yard was just really like a wreck. It looked like a hurricane came through it. And we were the last house on the street, man, to fix our yard, like, after the hurricane hit, it was like a community project. Like, everybody was outside raking leaves. It felt good to be a part of a community that cared about their home, um, except we couldn't do that because we had church on the weekend. And so I felt terrible 
because I'm like, I'm a terrible testimony to my community. Everybody's yard is clean, and these people who love Jesus are filthy, you know, and it's just bad. It's a bad look for Jesus. And so, so Monday came, which is, you know, our, us pastors, our day off. And so Monday came, and I got everybody together, and, uh, and we decided we were going to clean our front yard. And we uh, employed our children. So we have two children, uh, Justice and Zane. Justice is about to be five, if you can believe it. His birthday is like next week. He's about to be five. He's got a Lego birthday party. He's dope. Um, and then uh, Zane is three, and uh, they're awesome. If you want to see pictures of them, just follow my wife on Instagram. She like, I'll post them all the time for the rest of her life. And we decided that cleaning up the yard was going to be a family project. And so we put these kids to work because that's why you have kids. You think it was because your parents loved you. No, it was not. It's because they were tired of throwing out the trash. So they said, I'm going to have a baby, and they're going to throw out the trash one day. Okay, that and tax breaks. That's why they had you. Just keeping it real. Um, and so we had them, and, and, uh, and we separated the duties. You know, uh, um, uh, we had uh, Justice and Zane. We told them, all right, guys, this is your job. Specifically Justice, because he was, you know, bigger. Justice, this is your job. You have to pick up all the branches. And I picked up, like, the big, like, felt like logs that fell off the trees. But you got to pick up the branches. And we made a game out of it. And he was having the time of his life, you know. Now, that's what you got to do. You got to make games out of stuff. Kids have fun. So they would run around. And they would keep score. You know, they can't count that high. So he just got stuck at, like, eight. You know, he was just like, eight, and then eight. <laughs> you win, buddy. You win. And you got it. So he was just putting it and collecting. And all the branches were piling up. And everything was going fine until my wife showed up. And she messed it all up. And the reason why she messed it all up is because she came outside with a rake. And it was tall and long and, and shiny. And she got all of them distracted. And, you know, for a, for a four-year-old, a rake is not a rake. It's a lightsaber. And so he ran to her, tried to grab the rake from her. And I'm like, and, I'm, and he got upset. He got upset at me because he really wanted to help. And it looked like. What Liz was doing was more important than what he was doing because the rake is, is bigger and the rake is shinier. And he don't even have a tool. He's just got branches. And, and I don't even know, to be honest, why Liz was even raking. We didn't, we didn't have to rake <laughs> because we had neighbor. She just wanted to, like, you know, contribute. And so we had a neighbor who had a tractor. And he was so nice that he said, hey, I'll go ahead and I'll pick up the leaves. But he told me beforehand, he said, but there's one thing I can't pick up, the branches. So if you could just pick up the branches, I can come over with the leaves. And so I share that story because my son got upset because he looked what was in my wife's hands and he looked what was in his hands. And he thought that because what was in her hands was bigger than what was in his hands, that her job was more important than his job. But what he didn't know was that he had the very most important job. And I want you to know, you can't compare what's in your hands to what's in someone else's hands. Because it might look bigger, and it might look shinier, and it might be longer. But little do you know, the little thing that you do is actually the most important thing that you can do. The very most important thing you can do. And I get it. I get why you're looking, because you want to be significant. I get it. You want to be important. I get it. I've been there, too. I was cleaning my room the other day, and I found a yearbook. My, my, you won't believe it, but my fifth grade yearbook, fifth grade, PS69, Rocco Laurie. No, that was IS72. PS69, elementary, Staten Island, 
it, and, I, and, I, and to prove it to you, I, I, I took a picture, and I, and I have it. I don't know, Will, you have it. It's, that's me in the fifth grade, y'all. In the fifth grade. You can't see it, but that's my boy Todd. That's the T right there. Todd Vilkoff, okay? That girl's name is Jamie. Okay, I have no idea why I know these things. She liked me. Um, uh, these guys, uh, I don't know who these guys were. There's me in the fifth grade, not a lot of changes, right? It's a beard and glasses, but I'll probably still wait up. <laughs> and so uh, I was going through my year break. Here's why I showed you that picture, not just because it's cute, but because at the end, they had this, like, assignment, and it was called In My Crystal Ball I See, which is weird because they should not be teaching witchcraft to fifth graders. <laughs> but it said, In My Crystal Ball I See, and, and you had to rhyme it with what you wanted to do in life. And so it would be like, in my, there was someone wrote, In My Crystal Ball I See, um, me collecting a doctor's fee. That was what somebody wrote. Uh, some girl wrote, in my crystal ball I see me singing like Mariah Carey. That was before, before she started lip syncing. Um, before she started lip syncing, it was that. And then, and then mine was, mine was uh, uh, in my crystal ball I see me hitting a ball over Kentucky because I wanted to be a baseball player. I didn't know where Kentucky was. I just figured it's far, and it rhymes with C, and so that's where... We're going, and so uh, I wanted to do that, but I was going through it, and you know what I didn't find? I didn't find, and no offense if you work here, but I didn't find, in my crystal ball, I see me flipping burgers at Mickey D's. Didn't see it. Again, no offense if you work in Mickey D's. That's awesome. Keep going. I didn't see, in my crystal ball, I see me selling shoes at JCPenney's. Didn't see it. Um, and, and I'm not knocking those jobs. I'm just saying, in, in the world, those are not perceived necessarily as important or significant, and it, it meant something that out of, you know, 700 kids, not one person said anything like that, because even from birth, we want to be, you can take that picture off, even from birth, we want to be significant, we want to be important, and some people who are uneducated, who don't read their Bible, would tell you that's pride inside of you, and let me correct, that's not pride, that's actually God deposited Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, for I knew you before you were in the womb of your mother, and I set you apart as a prophet to all the nations. If you feel like there's greatness inside of you, it's not arrogance, okay? It's confidence in who God created you to be. And so some people will call you arrogant, but you tell them, I'm not arrogant. Arrogant is because I think I'm great. Confident is because God says I'm great. And so God said, I'm just confident. I know I got a swagger to me, but I promise it has nothing to do with me, but who lives inside of me. And that's kind of why I walk the way I walk and I talk the way I talk. And just I know who's in me, you know? It's, it's confidence, not arrogance. And so, but, but, you, but it's, it's, it's important that you, that you catch that, okay? You were born for greatness. What you feel inside you is not of the devil. It's not of your flesh. You can achieve it. And I, and, and I want you to understand. I don't want you to leave here and do some be significant. I want you to leave here and understand how significant everything you've done is already and how the things you do on a regular basis are significant. And if you don't believe that because you're not... Uh, doing something because you're not preaching once a week or you're not, you know, playing the piano or you're not running media. Maybe you don't do something as quote-unquote significant. Just look at Joe. Joe was not an especially important person in the Bible, right? She never killed a, a giant like David. She never rose somebody from the dead like Elijah. She never walked on water like Jesus. She's not even famous for being bad like Jezebel right? She, she really didn't do anything important. Now, her son, though, super important, right? Her son, Moses. 
You don't even have to go to church for long to know who Moses is. Everybody knows Moses. He got like three movies about him, okay, that I know. Ten Commandments, Charleston Heston. Uh, you got uh, Exodus, Christian Bell, and then my favorite, Prince of Egypt. Come on, somebody. I will get there. I will get there. Cross that river. <laughs> That's my jam. I love that song. I love that song. We do that for worship, right? If we could, John, get that song, pull up the lyrics, see if we can do that song. We'll just do it. See how good the worship team is on the spot. No, just kidding. Unless you're an affiliate, then you can go ahead. Um, <laughs> he's significant, man. You know, there are 800 Bible verses in the Bible that say the word Moses. Joshebed, two. Two. Uh, he, he, he delivered one million people out of Egypt, Moses did. Josh led a family of four. When you compare the two, it doesn't even match. Five books in the Bible Moses wrote. Joe is just mentioned in two. You look at them, you say, this guy's really important. This guy's not that important until you understand that everything he did wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for her. Isn't that right? We're great. They've done a lot. But without Joe, there is no Moses. That's significant. And I think what's important about that, too, is that Joe never gets to even realize her significance. I always thought that when Moses came back, because for those who don't know the story, Moses is living in Egypt, right? Joe saved his life, and then that's the last you hear of Joe. She, uh, Moses kills somebody and then kind of runs away as a fugitive, comes back. When he comes back, he's at the age of 80 years old already. And so he's telling Pharaoh, let my people go. He's calling down fire from heaven. He's turning sticks into snakes, snakes into sticks. He's turning the sea into blood. Uh, he's turning the, the sun dark, all these things. And I always imagined in my mind, Joe was there. Because wouldn't that be cool? Like, like, like you're nobody for your whole life. But then like in your last 10 years of your life, you get to see all the great things, right? That would have been cool, right? Joe would have been there in the back. Moses would have been like, let my people go. And Joe in the back would have been like, that's my baby. That's my baby. Get it, Moses. Get it. You tell Pharaoh off, baby. Do it. Uh. Uh, do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all me right there. I made him. That's all me. You know, our parents are super embarrassing. I could have been, Moses would have been embarrassed. Like, Mom, shut up, Mom. <laughs> My God, it's not about you. It's about Jesus, okay? Whatever you say, baby, I did that. I did that. <laughs> you know? That had been cool, like, and it had been all worth it. But by the time Moses comes back, he's 80. Joe's long gone. What I'm trying to say is you can spend your whole life doing significant things and never find out about it. Until, that is, you get to heaven. Now, I wasn't there, but I believe that when she got there, somebody named Joshua tapped her on the back. And you might not know Joshua, but Joshua was Moses' successor. He's the one who actually started the nation of Israel. I bet when he got to heaven, he tapped her on the back and said, excuse me, ma'am, are you Joe? Dejo? Dejo? What you mean, Dejo? I was just a stay-at-home mom. No, 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 you have no idea. That baby's life you saved? You know, I did. He started the nation. And I am who I am because of him. And he is who he is because of you. And so I just want to say thank you. What I'm trying to tell you is you'll never see the full picture of your significance until you get to heaven. And then random people start tapping you on the back and be like, are you, are you Michael? 
And you'd be like, yeah, I'm Michael. But like the Michael? And you'd be like, D. Michael, there's like a million other Michaels here. Nah, you're the Michael. What do you mean, the Michael? When it was crazy, you see, I was at a, I was at a McDonald's, and you was at a McDonald's. And I walked into the McDonald's, and, it was, and I was so depressed. I, I was actually about to take my life. Like, that was that, like that, that McShake. That was like my last McShake. I told myself, after this McShake, it's all over. But you look back, and you saw me crying. You saw me emotional. And you paid for my burger. And in that moment, I realized somebody actually does love me. Somebody actually does care for me. And I want you to know that I ended up going to that church that you invited me to. To, which had, and I ended up giving my life to Christ. And I want to introduce you to my grandkids who are here because you bought me a burger. And all the life that you did in my life, I just want to thank you. You'll never see it. You'll never see it until you get there. And so you can't freak out if you don't see on earth fruit because a lot of times what God's going to do is going to be in the long run and not right now. You just got to keep plugging and stop making excuses and be significant. Because we can make excuses. We can look at other people and all the things that they do and all the things that they have and say, man, if I had that thing, then I could be significant. A, no. B, you're significant right now. You look at Joe and you look at Pharaoh. This sermon is taking way longer than it should right now. I should be like 40 minutes into Am I all right? Are we going? Do we got anywhere to go? You look at Joe and you look at Pharaoh. I like this culture. I could be here all day. Um, you look at Joe and you look at Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, y'all, okay? I mean, who's more significant than Pharaoh? His hieroglyphics are still on the, on, the, on the walls of the pyramids and all this stuff. I mean, this is an important person. People deemed him as a god. And then you have Joe. Little old Joe, nobody. She's a stay-at-home mom. She just never does anything. She doesn't have any miracles. She never healed nobody. She never preached a, a word, never did a message, never did a teaching, never played a piano. You know, we don't see her. When you look at them both, should be a no-brainer. One is... Not as significant as the other. Yet, look how God retells this story. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Let's go through it on the screen. Then Pharaoh, look how God takes notes. God is writing notes on history. How many people know that when you take a note, you don't just note down everything I say. You note down the important things I say, right? The things that minister to you, right? So this is God taking notes on history. And he's, this is what he deems as important. Exodus 1, verse 22, then Pharaoh gave his order to all the people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman named Joe, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Question, what is Moses' mother's name again? What is Pharaoh's name? What is it? What is it? What is it? Pharaoh? No. Because Pharaoh's not a name. Pharaoh's a title. If I were to tell you who was the president that dropped the, the atomic bomb in World War II, you'd be like, uh, president? No, that president had a name. These pharaohs had names. Amenhotep, Ramsey, Cleopatra, Tut, all of them. But when God took notes on history, <laughs> he said, I'm only going to write down what's important. So... I don't even know who the other guy was. Matter of fact, that other guy's not even important. Let me tell you about this girl. Pharaoh gets forgotten, and the stay-at-home mom gets a shout-out in history. Because who we deem important isn't who God deems important. And so you can write this down if you're taking notes. You don't need a platform to have a purpose. You don't need to have a platform to have a purpose. 
But this person's got a million followers, and this person's got a big old building, and this person's got 600 people in their ministry, and this person, everybody sees them. That's okay. You don't need to have a platform to have a purpose. A million people saw Pharaoh. A million people saw Moses. Nobody saw Joe, but she gets the shout out. Because what you do matters even if no one sees it. Even if no one sees it. I remember when uh, a couple years ago, uh, well, a while back, I was probably 16 years old, so what, almost 14 years ago, I, um, I was, it was me, a guy, and a girl. And the girl was pretty, and we were going to impress the girl, and we all decided to go on a swim. And I told the story before in my youth group, so maybe I remember it, but um, I, 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 uh, I said, oh, let's go. It was her idea. She said, let's swim to the island. Have you ever been to a, like a lake in Florida or like an ocean or some type of in the Caribbean or something where you, there's like an island out there, and you get, someone gets this bright, we should swim to the island. Don't do it. The island is way further than it looks. She was a marathon runner. She made it. I'm halfway, and I'm about to die. So serious was this death that you know how, you know it's real when you say the sinner's prayer. Like, I was halfway through the lake, and I said, I'm not going to make it. I said, Father, forgive me for my sins. Prepare a place for me in heaven. In my seat at the table, Lord, wash away. If there's anything I did today, just cleanse my, my card sheet. I don't even know if this is how it works, Lord, but just cleanse my, because I'm down. I'm done, and I want to get there. And so I took my last breath. This is true. And I went to go down, and as soon as my head is about to go under the water, I can laugh about it now, but in the ocean, it is terrifying. I'm about to go down, and this boat comes out of nowhere like a freaking angel, okay, and says, hey, son. I'm like, Jesus? <laughs> oh, my Jesus, you real? I'm like, yes, Lord. He's like, you need any help? I look over, it's this older gentleman on a boat. And, uh, and I'm like, yes. And he pulls me in, and uh, it's embarrassing. The girl's like swimming by the boat. <laughs> so sorry. And I'm headed back to shore. And she's just like, y'all all right? And I'm like, I'm like, you're not the one for me. You're not the, you're not the one for me. Um, <laughs> that's for the girls. If he can't keep up with you, he ain't the one for you. Anyway, anyway, that's another, that's another preaching. 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 Anyway, another sermon. Um, um, <laughs> another preaching. Uh, so, so I get home. I get home. I tell, my, I tell my father. I go, Dad, you'll never believe what happened. He said, what? I almost died. Um, I told him I was, in the, I was in the ocean. I don't even know if it was an ocean, but I was in the ocean. Probably not. It was a body of water. <laughs> and I was pretty sure I was going to drown. He said, when? I said, this day. He said, what time? I said, this time. He said, I kid you not, and this is going to sound weird if, if you've never experienced something like this. He goes, I kid you not, at the same day, at the same time, God, the Holy Spirit came to my heart, and I got to my knees, and I started praying for him. Nobody saw it. Nobody was there to say amen. Nobody was there to clap or shout. But what he did in the secret ended up producing in public. So, in case you feel like your life is insignificant, I just want you to think of every person you've ever prayed for. Catch that. Think of every person you've ever in your life prayed for and know that there are things happening that you will not see or know, but those prayers are already pushing on people's lives. And not just the prayers that are hidden, also the actions that are hidden. I heard there's a ministry here called Sweat. Is that still up and running? Who's a part of Sweat? Make some noise if you're a part of Sweat. 
Y'all great. Y'all do a lot of the work, right? Set up. Yeah, the stuff that nobody sees. In the hidden, in the quiet, in the dark. I love y'all. We got that same ministry at our church, but we call them the setup team. And uh, set up and tear down. Not as cool as I'm going to change it to sweat. Because sweat, sweat sounds cool. Set up is like, eh, it's a sweat. So I'm going to change it. Guys, sweat. That's what it's called. Uh, and it's a lot of work. I love those guys, man. And I love you guys. Because nobody sees what you do, but nothing would be possible on Sunday if it wasn't for you. Right? And that's so important. Because people don't want to do things like sweat. They want to do things like preach. They want to do things like play the piano. You know what I'm saying? They want to do things like, like shine projectors. They want to do things like, uh, you know, I don't know, just this big things, you know, good things. They want to do uh, like these things where a lot of people can see and, and, and clap. And, and, I, and I tell people it's, it's, because, it's because we want, we want fruit. Uh, we want fruit deeds, you know? You know, fruit is colorful. Everybody wants fruit, right? You put, you put fruit in front of kids. I want to forget the meat. I want the strawberries. I want the grapes. I want the apples. I want that. Because it's sweet, and it's colorful, and it's big, and it's beautiful. Fruit is sexy. That's what it is. It's not what I can think of. It's just you just you want the fruit. Um, and, and, and that's cool that you want that. You know, that's cool that you want to raise the dead. And that's cool that you want to plant a church. And that's cool that you want to preach. But you got to understand that you don't get fruit without seeds. And sometimes you're going to have to be okay with just sometimes your deeds are seeds and not fruit. You're, sometimes the things you do are the things that nobody will see. But that's okay because without it, we won't produce the things that people do see. And you got to be okay with that. And here's what I know about seeds. Seeds are small. Seeds are cheap. You can buy a whole bag of them. Uh, people often overlook seeds. Seeds get buried. Seeds are hidden. But it's when they're hidden that God releases their potential. Joe was hidden. Moses was hidden, right? Uh, there was this king uh, named Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king, but he was two years old when he really became king. But the nurse had to hide him for six years because there were some enemies trying to kill him. He was hidden. Jesus wasn't born in a Hilton. He wasn't born uh, in, 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 in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem, one of the smallest cities. And he wasn't even born in a hotel in Bethlehem. He was born in a manger behind two cows and a, and a chicken. Read your Bible. Uh, it, it's <laughs> hidden. And when he was born, he died hidden in a grave for three days. Some of y'all think God does not have a plan for your life. Because nobody is seeing the things that you're doing. But I want you to know that being hidden is not an absence of God's plan. Being hidden is a part of God's plan. And if you're taking notes, you can just write this down. And we could probably shut it down right now, but I won't. But we could. Just write this. Do not judge how much greatness is in you by how many eyes are on you. Do not judge how much greatness is in you by how many eyes are on you on you. That's not how God measures greatness. That's not how God measures uh, a, 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 a legacy, destiny. You know how he measures it? It's like that song you were singing the other day, the, this earlier, faithfulness. What are you doing with what you got? Which leads me to the next thing is that I told you I was good at baseball. Like I was really good at baseball. Like in the fifth grade, like I was killing it. In the fifth grade, that's five tool player in the fifth grade, and I tried out for my high school baseball team, 
And they said, no. And I wish I could tell you they benched me, but they just said, no. And I said, what about JV? And they said, no. And I'm grateful that my coach, you know, did no D-League, no nothing, not even ball boy, like hold the bat. No, just, just not good at the sport, what they told me, which I'm grateful for. Led me to my, my true calling. But at the time, I was pretty dumb, uh, bummed out uh, because I thought, you know, athletes, singers, rock stars, these are the only people that have significance in life. You know, the people who have gifts. Um, but I want you to write this down. You don't have to be gifted to be destined. And there are some people who are sitting here today in this amazing youth ministry that God is growing, and you feel like, well, I don't have a gift like that guy. I'm not gifted. And let me tell you, if you don't, let me just first tell you, I don't believe that there's anybody in the world who's not gifted. Only one of two things. If you say that, only one of two things. Either one, and you're still young is fine, you haven't discovered your gifting yet. Or two, you don't appreciate the gift you have because the gift you have isn't like a big gift. And so you don't appreciate it. That's my cue, John. There you go. <laughs> it's the gift. It's, 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 it's you got to appreciate the gift that you already have. We had a uh, spiritual gifts test at our church. We do this with all people who come in. They answer 70 questions, and then we tell them their gift. And uh, this, we had this one guy. We had three people around the table. They started doing this test. And the one came out in the test results, and they were like prophet. And then came out. The other one was like gift of giving, generosity. It came to this dude. He's 70 years old. Comes to our church. I love that. I knew the young Latino people would come to my church, but I wasn't sure about old white people. And I thank God that they're there. So we got this one guy, he's like seven years old, Don. He was part of our sweat ministry. Um, he's great. And uh, he, he, I go around the table and it goes to him. And I, I'm like, uh, how about you, Don? What's your gift? And he's like, I don't want to say. And I'm like, why? He's like, I don't like my gift. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's like, I don't like my gift. I was like, what is it? What, what gift you got? He's like, my gift is craftsmanship, which if you don't know about that, it's like the ability to build things and structure things and put things together, which is why he's on our sweat team, and he leads it, actually, because he's great. Um, he's like, I don't like it. I said, why don't you like it? He said, true story. He said, I want healing. Yeah. So I want prophecy. I want those gifts. And that's how we see gifts sometimes. We don't appreciate the one that we have. But we got to understand, the one we have is your chance to have the most change, impact, and significance in this world. And you got two options. Right? You could be like my one son or my other son. I'll tell you a little quick story. So and this happens all the time. Um, my two boys fight a lot. This is what brothers do. Um, amen? Jonathan, Jonathan, Calvin. Heard the stories. Um, and so this happened just like two months ago. I have a Spider-Man toy and a Batman toy. And Justice picks the Batman toy, and Zane picks the Spider-Man toy. And you would think, because they picked those toys, that everything's good. You picked it, so you should be fine with it. You picked it. But this is what happens every time. One of them ends up getting into the zone. I don't know if you've ever played with a toy as a kid. You can remember getting back there where you just get into the zone. Like, it's no longer Batman. Now you giving him. It's still kind of Batman, but it isn't the kitchen anymore. It's like a whole world you created, and there's a backstory, and there's a connection. Somehow Bible stories got involved. That bear is Goliath, and it just gets out of hand. It's crazy. And so Justice is having the time of his life with his Batman. He has made a whole world out of Batman. He has made a, a three-part novel series out of Batman. And then Zane.
bien, pobrecito. He's off to the side. He's looking at justice, and he's got Spider-Man. The, the one that he picked. And he starts looking at Justice's Batman and how much fun Justice is having with his Batman. And he starts to cry. I want Batman. Give me a Batman. Batman's better. They're both made of plastic. Batman doesn't have no special features. Spider-Man, you know, they're all the same features, arms and legs. That's it. The same. Batman's better. And they're crying. I need you to catch this. One kid is crying. Not because the other kid has a toy and he doesn't. He's crying because the other kid chose to make the most of the toy he had while he chose to compare the toy he had. And you just got to learn to stop comparing somebody else's toy to your toy and just make the most of the toy that God gave you. That's all you got to do. Just make the most of the toy that God gave you, man. I tell people, I'm like the guy in the Bible who got two talents. I mean, I know the story. But there's a king. He has three servants. He gives one servant five talents, which is a, a money, but for the sake of this conversation, we can say it's like a talent, like an actual talent. He gives one five, he gives one two, he gives one one. The guy who has five turns it into ten. The guy who has two turns it into four. The guy who has one does nothing with it. He just, he buries it. He doesn't even use it. And he comes back, and then God judges them. He says, to the one that got five, great job. To the one that did two, great job. To the one that did one, get out of here. You're lazy. You did nothing. I don't want anything to do with you. I tell people, I'm like the guy who has two. I know that there are people who have more than me. I know it. I know there are other pastors, especially in ministry. My God, I look at some of the way these other guys preach, and I'm like, I need to find something else to do with my life. These guys are phenomenal. You look at other youth ministries, you look at other singers, whatever. It is easy to look at the guy who has five and get all upset about the guy who has five. Or be like the guy who has one. And be all sour because you don't have as much as the other person. Say, well, I'm just going to do nothing with the thing that God gave me. Or you could be like the guy who has two. Who says, I might not have as much as the guy who has five, but I'm definitely going to do what the guy who had one did. I'm going to just work my two. That should be something y'all say to each other when you're out there in the parking lot. I'm working my two. I'm working my two right now. Hey, what you doing out there in the parking lot? Just working my two. What you doing over there in the projection? Just working my two. Just working my two. Hey, man, you doing the worship? Yeah, man, I'm just working my two. Hey, I got a little kiss. I got a little small group going. How many people are in your small group? One. One person in your small group? Yeah, what you doing? Working my two. Working my two. I'm just making the most of the thing that God, I'm not going to sit back. Oh, I wish I had five. I wish I had eight. I wish I had a building. Or No, just work on what you got. I look at what y'all have done with what you got right now, and I'm like, dang, guys, you're killing it. 200 kids at Osceola High School? That's insane. And, and, and you're doing which is what you got. Just working your two. Tell somebody, work it. <laughs> got to work that two. Got to work it because God will multiply it. Next thing you know, two will be four, four will be eight, eight will be 16, 16 will be 32, 32 will be 64, and then I lost math, but you know how it goes. <laughs> I'm going to close with this. I told you before, you don't need to have a platform to have a purpose. You don't need to be gifted to be destined. And here's the biggest misconception for people who have aspirations in ministry but are kind of on the fence because this isn't your full-time job. You know, maybe you got like two other jobs or three other jobs. I remember Miriam once told me she was working like three jobs at one time. And I was like, that's a lot of jobs. And, and here's what I want you to know. Uh, you might not be gifted to be destined, but here it is. You don't need time to make the most of your moment. You don't need time to make the most of your moment. Exodus chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. 
Job became pregnant and gave birth to his son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she put him in the basket. I want you to come with me back in history, okay? There's this girl named Joe. She's got a baby. And the Bible says she could hide him no longer. You know what was happening? Pharaoh's guards were making rounds. And they were knocking on doors looking for children. And Moses started crying. We know that Moses was crying because when Pharaoh's daughter finds him, she finds him what? Crying. And so Moses is crying, and the guards are coming door after door after door. And they're about to knock on Moses' door, on Joe's door. And so this is a woman who does not have time. She is out of time. But she chooses to make the most of her moment. She sees a basket. She sees some tar. She sees the baby. And she makes what she can with what she has and rescues, right, the rest of the Bible because she made the most of her moment. You might not be doing this full time. You know, you might have eight other jobs. You might have ten assignments due at school, midterms, projects, small group projects, and it can seem like I don't have time to contribute to God. I don't have time to be significant, but you don't need time to make the most of your bus ride to work. When you're sitting next to somebody who looks like they're having a bad day. Granted, everybody looks like they're having a bad day at 7 in the morning. But you don't got to have time to say, God bless you, when somebody sneezes. Or you don't got to have time to pray for your lunch food before you eat it in a, in a, in a, in a public place. So, I, so that somebody would ask you, what are you, what are you praying about? What are you, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm just, you don't need time to invite someone to church. You got to forget about time because here's what happens a lot. We miss our moment waiting for the right time. <laughs> we miss our moment waiting for the right time. I'm going to tell them when the right time is. I'm going to do it when the right time. But 13 moments just passed by. How many moments are passing you by? In school, at work, at the gym. How many moments at the supermarket? How many moments at the movie theater? How many moments are just running by you? And you just, man, I only had enough time. Forget about time. Talk to that person right there, right now. Do it right now. Just that guy. Just do that one guy. Just that one invitation to Friday nights. Just that one invitation. Make the most of your moment. You don't need time. All right? Because there are people and places that have been prepared for you. Here's what the Bible says. I'm about to close. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Look at this verse. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I love this part. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. I always tell people that there was a space created for you. But what I forget to tell people sometimes is by this verse, you were also created for your space. Shoot out the name of a college right now that you go to. Valencia. Shoot out the name of a high school you go to. Shoot out the name of a middle school. We might have a middle school that you go to. You were created. Listen to me for that place. That's what that Bible verse says. Handiwork. Created for a specific preparation that God already set up in advance. And that puts weight on you because you know what that means? No one else can do what you can do. Maybe where you work at? Huh? Marquis, Marquis, where you work at? Okay, FedEx. In between jobs. We'll pray for you, bro. We'll pray for you. <laughs> My bad, Marquis. Yeah, you got a job? All right, we're going to find a new position. Where you work? YMCA. 
You fill in the blank. I want you to understand this. The people that you're walking past were created for you. Wrap your mind around that. And how many moments you walk past. Would you stand? talk to you about Joshebed's name. Her full name. Somebody say Joshebed. Now the truth is her name has two parts. Somebody say Joe. And then I'll somebody say Shebed. Her name has two parts. Don't show it yet on the screen. But I'll, I'll tell you when. Joe, the first part of her name, means Jehovah. Which is God which is significant for a whole other reason, but we won't even get to it. Shebed, actually, now there's a chance for you to learn something here. Actually, in English, it's translated kebab, which you might have heard the term ichabod, no more glory. Kebab means glory or honor. How many people remember the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother? That's the same word. Kebab, kebab, honor. In that context, honor means pay attention. God is telling every kid, don't be dumb. <laughs> pay attention to your parents. Pay attention, pay attention. Kebab means pay attention. What's so unique, you got to grab this, is that this woman who nobody saw, I know there are people here who feel like nobody's seeing you. Nobody's giving you credit. I love the fact that we were able to honor Will for all his work. And, uh, and, and But you're not everybody's going to get that. Some people are going to go through this ministry seven years, and it's not because you didn't do a great job. But it's because you just, it didn't happen. Nobody sees you. It's already up on the screen, so there we go. Her name means the one that nobody saw is God is paying attention to you. And if you can leave here with one truth that re absolutely revolutionizes your life for the rest of your life, is that God is paying attention to me because then you got to worry about fighting for anybody else's attention because you got attention from the most high and so you know you feel like nobody sees the work you do God is paying attention to me you feel like you're in your 20s you should be a lot further in your 20s than all your friends and you're not that's cool because guess what God is paying attention to you this person's got picked up for the varsity team and, and they didn't even call me back I just cut up that's okay God is paying attention to you. And this person just got promoted at my job, and I've been working here longer than they. That's okay. God is paying attention to you. And you were just trying to get with that girl, and that girl just dissed you, and that guy just dissed you, and it doesn't seem like anybody's noticing you. It's okay. God is paying attention to you. You posted a photo on social media, you thought it was going to get 100 likes, got 10 likes. It's okay. But for real, how many times can a stupid thing like that mess up a whole day? God is paying attention to you. And as a youth ministry, as you begin to fill up an auditorium, there are going to be good days where there's not going to be a seat in the house. And there's going to be other days where the devil's a liar and, and there's a lot more empty seats than there were last week. And in those moments, you've got to look around and remember. It's okay. Why? Because God's paying attention to you. My hope for today was that you would leave here thinking, I don't got a lot. I don't got the biggest platform. 
I don't got the best gifts. I don't got the most time. But God is paying attention to me. So here's what I want to do. I said we finished at the altar. You know, you're not average. Your destiny is not average. But that also means you can't live an average life. You can't. Refuse. Is there anybody here today who refuses to live an average life? Refuses to be normal. Refuses to be just an average, just somebody in the in the crowd. Just refuses to be a bystander. Refuses to be a stand-in. You know, in movies, they got all those lists of people who are like, there's something that don't even get their name in. It'll be like, man number one. Then the credits, you see that woman with the bag. Anybody just refusing. That's not the script God wrote for me. I'm sorry. I just know it. I know, I know that I'm a somebody. And it's not arrogance, it's confidence. Not because of who I am, but because of who he says I am. And because of who lives inside of me. And so today, I want to make a commitment to live the special life I know God's called me to live. And so I'm going to invite, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I'm going to invite every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to count to three. And if, if that's you, when I say three, I want you to come out of your seat, come up to the altar. And I want you to declare a very special prayer to God. Here's a declaration I want you to pray to God. I want your prayer to be, God, do with me what you will. I know there's something special inside of me. Release it. Break it free. I want to do what you want me to do. It might not look like the guy who has five. It might not look like the guy who has four or the guy who has three. But I definitely ain't got one. I'm going to work my two. That's my commitment to you, God. I'm going to work my two. I'm going to work it till my fingers bleed, till my feet hurt, till I, till I run out of life, till I run out of strength. I'm going to do the most with what you put in me. And I'm not going to worry about what he's doing, about what she's doing, about what that church is doing, about how that person is preaching about how this girl's singing or that guy's playing. I'm going to work my two, God. Right here, that's my commitment to give you my all with all that you've given me. I said to give you my all with all you've given me. If that's you and you want to make that commitment and that declaration and that promise to God, Lord, just do it in my life. I'm going to work it. When I count to three, I want you to come on up. We want to pray for you and we want the Holy Spirit to solidify the word that I believe God's deposited in your heart. One, Two, don't miss your moment. Three, come on up. Don't miss your moment. 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 Some space over here on this side, over here to my right. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Worship team is going to lead us in worship. Some people are going to pray for you. Someone might not get around to you. Don't be sad if nobody lays their hand on you. You know why? Because God is paying attention to you. Just go get it. Just work it. Just work this prayer right now. All you got is this prayer. All you got is this worship. Work here too right now. Work here too right now. I dare you to work here too right now. 